0: If you have your Bible or your your liturgy, is it in the liturgy? Mm -hmm. It's in the liturgy, or you can open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 14 to 21 today. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Um, I guess it's this afternoon in the cooler weather, which is barely cooler. But we we praise you that we can be together. We thank you that we can hear your word, that we can remind ourselves of the truth, and be changed by it. And so we ask that you would do that now. Open our hearts. In our minds as we uh, look into this passage. We pray it in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. John, thank you for that fan. It's amazing. It's a, what is this? I shall show wonders in the heaven above. I'm reading that line going, this fan is a wonder from above. Um, So thank you. All right, so we're going to get right in today. Um, We started last week walking through Acts chapter 2, starting looking at Uh, the Holy Spirit descending upon the disciples and the story of them kind of going out in the streets and, and preaching and focused on the first essential of being a church is that the Holy Spirit is present, that God is there, that he's driving what's happening and that we're listening to that and we're paying attention and we're responding with action and then we're trusting God to do it. So that's what we see the disciples do. They leave, they go out, they respond to the Holy Spirit. And then as they do that, the, the scene that ensues, and it's only one or two verses in here, but it feels very chaotic to me. These people are out there. There's a ton of different language being spoken. The city like comes to like figure out what's happening. And you can, I just imagine like almost like riots we've been seeing. Like there's just people everywhere. There's all kinds of things happening. There's people calling and shouting, and it's just kind of chaotic. And the the response eventually recorded just in the end of last week's passage, chapter. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And the people look around, and they're like, what is going on? And they ask the question, what does this mean? What does this mean? They're seeing the people respond to the Holy Spirit, and all of the people of Israel, and what does this mean? And that's the big question that drives Peter's sermon. And it's also the the question that I think drives a lot of us, and it drives the world when they look at the church. And they look and they say, what what does this mean? What does this mean? Y'all are gathered. It's 87 degrees. It feels like 107. Why? You're, you know, you come, you sing a few songs, you hear a few readings. I stand up here for a few minutes and talk. What what does this mean? What what are you doing? What is the church about? What is this for? And this, this is the question that should drive our uh, approach to the world. We should be asking this question of ourselves when we see the church, when we see the work of God. We say, what does this mean? And so Peter gets up, and he, I don't know what he does. He, like, stands on the table. St- he, like, calls everyone's attention. He says, okay, now you're going to stop here and listen to me, and I'm going to explain what's happening here. And what Peter does is really fascinating. And I'm not going to focus too much on the content of what Peter says and the content of Joel chapter 2. There's other times for that. But I want you to notice, and then I'm going to talk about the, the method that he's using to answer the question, what does this mean? All the people say, what does this mean? And they think, well, maybe these people are drunk. Maybe something crazy is going on. And Peter doesn't... Uh, well, he, goes, he doesn't try and explain it in terms down here. He goes right to the scriptures. Now, most of the people he's speaking to are Jews, so they would have known the scriptures. They would have known this story. But he goes to the scriptures to explain what's happening in the church. And he says, look, and I, I think it's fascinating. He says, they're not drunk. And you would expect him to say, "Right, like, they're not, they're not drunk because of course they're not drunk. He says, no, it's, they're not drunk because it's 9 a.m. Come back at 9 p.m., it might be a different story. But like, right now, they're not drunk. So he goes right to the biblical story to explain what is happening. And through Jesus, he brings Jesus and the biblical story together, and he explains what the people are are seeing. He explains what it means. So if the first essential of being a church is having the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. The second essential is having God's and living within God's story. Now this is in the mission statement as a church. Our statement is, For we want to be, we exist in order to be shaped by God's redemptive story. If we're going to be a church, we need to have the Holy Spirit, driven by the Holy Spirit, trusting the Holy Spirit. But the second thing that we need to have, we need to be, is all about God's story. That our understanding of what we're doing here and what is happening in the world has to be driven by and rooted in our understanding and our experience of the biblical story. From Genesis to revelation and then beyond through the church, we need to understand what God is doing. I I went hiking last week and was reminded of of a metaphor that I really like for understanding what the Bible is and how it works. You go in if you just, just go go into the woods and you're trying to find your way to point A to point B and there's nothing there. You might you could try and use a compass. You could try and use the stars. I I would get lost right if you just blaze out into a branch you know an open forest I to that grandfather mountain I don't know if you've ever been there it's kind of wildernessy if you were to just kind of walk out into the woods I think you would probably die out there but when you go onto the trail the trail has these things along the trail which are painted on trees and they're called blazes but they're different colors tell you where the different where the different trails are and that's how you know where the trail is and where the trail is going and you could even go back and find out where where you've been And in one sense the scriptures act for us in the world like the blaze is on a trail. They interpret the story. They, in all the world, they show us where the path is, what God is doing, and how he's operating in the world. It's not over here. It's over here. Don't go this way. The blaze is that way. So it kind of marks out. It's not the whole story. You need to actually be in the woods to understand and experience the whole story. But the Bible marks out, the biblical story marks out how to understand and interpret the world around us. And in that story, we see the story of Israel, God's dealing first with Abraham, and then with Moses, and then with David, and then the exile, and then bringing them out of exile, and it all culminates in the story of Jesus. And that's really what the story is about, is the story of Israel fulfilled by Jesus, and then given to the church to help us move forward. So being a church is defined by the story we find in Scripture, especially as it comes to light with Jesus. You see that, because that's exactly what Peter does. To explain the chaos, to explain the church, to explain the world, he says, let's go right to the story. And he goes right to quoting Joel chapter 2. And he says, this is going to explain what's happening, but it's also going to tell us what our identity and our purpose is moving forward. So if that's what what Peter does, I want to just point out three things that I think will be helpful for us as we uh, take that model of looking at the scripture and allowing the scriptures, the story, God's story, to determine what we are and what we're supposed to do as a church there's three things we need to do. And the first one is we need to be immersed in the story. See Peter, he's out there, he's not like he's not flipping through his scrolls right then looking up Joel, you know, calling out the page number. He's regurgitating it from memory because he's so connected into the story of what God is doing that he sees this and he goes, "Oh, oh, I connect that to Joel chapter 2. This must be what's happening in Joel chapter 2 because he knows and is so immersed in the story he's quoting it from from memory and as the church we are both the keepers of that story and the tellers of the story and, and to be able to do that we have to know it really really well we have to be totally immersed in the story so how do we do that four maybe five five these are application points ways that we can do that some of these are things you know but it doesn't hurt to, to repeat it the main thing we can do is simply be in the scriptures reading it large portions at a time to understand the story. I, I grew accustomed, I think, growing up to kind of reading a story and finding the one verse that like appealed, spoke to me in the moment and pulling it out and putting on a note card and setting it on my, you know, wherever I could see it, and being reminded of kind of individual quotes from the scriptures that seem inspirational to me at any time. But the scripture is not really about that. The scripture is about a huge story that's supposed to interpret the world, and we should read it like a story. There's been a lot of work done recently to take the Bible. This is a Bible that has you know chapter and verse numbers, which were not in the Bible. I think mean, most of us know that. When it was written, it wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was written as a story. There's Bibles you can get that take out all the chapter and verse markings where you can just read it as a story to experience large chunks of the Bible as a story that God is telling about the past, but also that helps us understand and explain what we are and who we are. Um So I encourage you, find ways to read the Bible in more than just small chunks. Read it in large chunks. Let the story kind of define how you experience that. I've mentioned the Bible Project before, the podcast, videos that help explain. I find them super helpful, even having gone to seminary and studied most of the books of the Bible. I found the five-minute kind of summaries of what this Bible book and what this story is and how it fits in with the big story to be really, really, really helpful. That's the Bible Project. Immersing ourselves in the story so we know it thinking about the last time you've read 2nd Kings or Ezra or Haggai these are the these are those books of the Bible are the things that define what we're supposed to be doing as a church and who we are and what God is doing and yet so often we just leave them aside this is why like on when we've been meeting for prayer on Tuesdays we use the lectionary which which kind of walks through Scripture over time. And so every time we meet, we, we don't just jump right into praying. We actually hear the story read out loud, different parts of it. And 50% of the time when we meet for prayer, I hear the Old Testament passage. I'm like, I, haven't, I can't remember the last time I heard that passage. There's just ways of exposing ourselves to the story that will allow us to know it and understand it and be immersed in it. But it's also important for us to read the gospel specifically. The whole story culminates in Jesus. We need to be reading the Gospels knowing the story of Jesus, knowing what he spoke about, knowing his parables, understanding his way of dealing with his disciples. The, the book of Mark uses half the book basically to tell the story of Jesus's first 33 years, and the last 10 chapters, the last half, basically to tell the story of his death and resurrection. It's a demonstration that that, that part of the story, the death and resurrection part, that's a really, really important part. That's why the entire uh, church calendar that we love, and, Hopefully you're not tired of us talking about it, but the reason we talk about it is not because we just think it's cool or because it's just neat or because we don't know what else to talk about, but because we want our lives to be shaped by and immersed in the story of Jesus. Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his sending of the Holy Spirit, because that is that, that story is what's going to define what it means for us to be a church, a church right now. That's why we love the creed, because the creed summarizes that story. We, Started talking about that, and we'll get back to that eventually. Um, Church history. I don't know if you like history, if you like to read history, but from Acts chapter 2 until today, there's 2,000 years of God's work in the world and in people. If we want to know who we are and what we're called to do, we need to read and understand church history. There's books, there's biographies, and a lot lot of the biographies that you find and are told to read is of, you you know, Americans, and we should identify and know our American history, but way more than we know American history, we should know church history. We should identify with the Christians that God has used to bring the church to where it is now. Not just white Americans, but all the people that God has used to bring the church to where it is now. Immersing ourselves in the story with our kids, reading the Bible stories as stories, not as untrue stories, but as stories that shape the imagination about God moving in the world. These are all different ways that we can be immersed in the story. This is where we have to start. This is the gospel value that we have, knowing that story, not just knowing that Jesus died and rose again and that you're forgiven for sins. That—that That is part of the story, but that's the very core of the story. That only makes sense if we understand and embrace and read and acknowledge and be immersed in the whole of the biblical story. So that's step one, is being immersed in the story. But then once we know the story, then the second thing that, that we do and that I think Peter does in, in this story as well, is we don't just know it, he knows and he quotes Joel, but then we identify with it. He says, these, these people aren't drunk, these people are the people that Joel talked about. He's identifying the, the people, the, the church, the disciples, inside of the story. It's not a story out there that helps me, it's a story that I'm actually part of. We identify with the story that then gives me meaning and purpose and identity. It, it should be true of us as Christians that our primary way of understanding our identity is as connected to God's story. Now you can you know you can put Christian on your little, you know, Instagram description or your business card or whatever and kind of like we've talked about this before, you use like a badge like I'm a Christian and that kind of like tags you as that. But that's different from actually understanding your own self identity as a Christian primarily before you understand it as a American, as a anything else. Christ, being a Christian, being part of God's story is our number one primary identity. And knowing the story helps us then identify with it. It's like my, I grew up in Eastern Pennsylvania and I am a Steeler fan. And so I tell people I grew up in Philadelphia and they say, hey, are you an Eagles fan? And I said, no, I'm not an Eagles fan. Well, why not? Well, because my dad grew up in Pittsburgh and his good dad grew up in Pittsburgh and I was looking at some family history stuff a, a while back and my grandmother, uh, my dad's mom, her like, her dad and his dad and his dad, like six generations back, all lived in the exact same town right outside of Pittsburgh. That's story, that's history. So who I am and what I'm defined by and my taking on the identity of being a Steelers fan connects me to that family history. And when we read scripture and see, when we read church history and see what God is doing, identifying inside of that story is part of how we become what we're supposed to be as Christians following God's, God's story. And then in marriage is, a, is another example of how we do this. Like when Chris and I got married, there's this, there's this ex- vow exchange. And in that, her story becomes my, I now identify with that story. Yeah, like it's connected to me. It's part of me. I identify with her family just as much as I identify with my family because we've, we've connected stories together. And as we come to read and understand and know God's story, it should begin to connect with us and be the thing that helps us understand who we are as people. The fact is that if if the the biblical story is not your story, then you're not a Christian. So does that make sense? If, If you don't identify in the story and see the story and have a view of the world that's animated by the story, then you're not a Christian because that's what it means to be a Christian, to trust Jesus who is the fulfillment of that story. You can't trust Jesus on an island. You actually have to understand and be embracing the whole of that story. So a couple of ways that we do that this is why we talk about spiritual disciplines the spiritual discipline prayer fasting all of that is bringing me and who i am towards the story of god and allowing the story of god to change the way i think about myself it also includes understanding our individual stories like if you're a millennial you love this you love understanding your story and talking about it if you're lem you love the enneagram so you can do, do a little self-introspection kind of self-awareness so there's a secular way to talk about self-awareness and understanding your story and naming things and then there's the way that says we do that so that we can bring that into the story of god and understand what god is doing with me particularly in the context of his story i would tell uh, people when we would do the new member class at carmel and we would spend just a session telling our our personal story sometimes that would be how i came to christ sometimes just how i got to be who i am right now they say Go home and think about how can you tell your story with Jesus as the main character? like Changing the dynamic. Your, your not about, If your story is about you, then you might not be a Christian because that's not what being a Christian is about. Being a Christian is about looking at the scripture and allowing that to define who you are and what you believe and why you do what you do. Worship when we gather here. This is identifying with the story by participating in the story, by speaking, by allowing ourselves to be emotionally connected to that story as we share it. And then most uh, inside of that, we have both baptism and communion, our ways that we identify with the story. When we, when we are baptized, we're baptized into Christ, meaning we receive his identity and we say, this story, I'm actually doing a physical thing to demonstrate that this isn't just a story that's out there, but that I'm now identifying in the story. And every week when we take communion, we're saying, this is a real story that we identify with. Those things shape our desires. They shape the way that we are connected to Jesus' story in the world. But the third thing, so we immerse ourselves in the story of the gospel, the biblical story in church history. And we identify ourselves in that story. But then third, this is where we're moving out from ourselves. We interpret the entire world in light of the story. We can't skip the steps. We actually have to know the story and identify with it before we interpret the world. There's a lot of interpretation of the world happening right now. And even for Christians, there's a lot of us that are not interpreting it based on God's story. A lot of gut-check reactions. When we view the world, it needs to be Jesus-centric view of the world. Where is Jesus in this? What is God doing? How is he restoring and redeeming everything that we experience? We don't, just, we don't just do, like, uh, interpreting the story is not just something we do in our devotional time about ourselves, but it's a way that we interact with the whole, the whole world. That's how we have, like, actual mission engagement with the world, is by looking at the world and saying, where is God, and how does the, all the story that I know change the way that I experience and understand and engage with the story? So as we do that, then we can project alternative stories about how the world is. We've talked about some of these before. The American way is very uh, individualism, secularism, consumerism, nationalism. All these stories that tell you this is who you are and this is what you should do and this is what you should care about and this is how you should value it. We, we need to be able to say no to the, to the wrong stories because we're so immersed and identified with the Jesus story that we're walking out that story and interpreting the world based on that. Right? Individualism and secularism and consumerism and nationalism and all of those things, have, they have a view of what the church is and what the church is supposed to be doing. In, in individualism, the church is here to help you. In consumerism, the church is a product that you consume. But in the way of Jesus, the church is actually the group of people that are keeping and telling and bearing the story through and into the world. It's a very different way of looking at what we're doing here. So just a final example here to apply this specifically, this idea of thinking critically and applying the Jesus story to everything. Just thinking critically over the last week. We spent some time last week talking about it. We're going to spend a few minutes in prayer lamenting again what we're seeing uh, in our country right now. But when we, see, when we look out in the world and we see racism and we see racial injustice and we see riots and we see unrest and we see all these things, we should be asking the question that's asked at the beginning of this story. What does this mean? What does this mean? And our way of answering that has to be driven by our immersion in the story and our identifying of the story and our interpretation of the world through the story of God. We should be asking ourselves, what does this mean? And then as a Christian saying, how, how should I understand, define, and respond to what's happening? So do we know the story? Like we read God's story, I mentioned it last week very briefly, but if you read this story, you know what you find a lot of in here? Racism. Injustice. Unrest. The whole story's about that, right? And, and yet, we are so easy, quick to respond, quick to fire off our hot takes that we don't take time to think, how, how is this playing out in the world? Like, hold this up so that I can't see anything except for understanding it through the story and my identification with the story. If God is doing something to restore and redeem injustice, and he's called me to be bearing that story forward, how does that change the way that I think about, interact, and respond to the things that I see in the world? Do we know the story of the world? Do we understand in the last 400 years in America what, what has brought us to this point? This doesn't just fall out of the sky and we react to it right here. We need to understand how it's connected to all that God has been doing in our country specifically. Thinking carefully, understanding how, how do, we know, do we know the story? Have we read the biographies? Have we thought carefully? And are we identifying? What, what are we as the church called to do and respond? We are called to, to respond, to think about, to care about this. And I can't tell you, specifically as an individual, how to do that, but I can tell you that as you do it, it needs to be defined and driven by both your understanding of God's story and your connection to it and your interpreting of the world based on that story. So where's Jesus in this? All of this unrest, everything we're—I don't think this is going to be the end of it. I think we're going to be continuing to deal with this for a long time and hopefully we'll deal with it carefully and intentionally and lovingly and bringing Jesus to bear on it. Are we walking in the way of Jesus in the midst of responding just to this issue? This is one of many things that we are responding to at any time. So when people around us ask, when we ask, when we look out at the door and say, what does this mean? Are we allowing God's story to determine how we, how we think about and respond and act in that context? Something we need as the church, this is our calling. To be shaped by, so deeply by God's story, that we are able to be redeemed by it and bring that redemption into the world around us. That's what we're called to do. So the first essential um, of being a church is the spirit of God propelling us forward. The second thing is that we know and embrace in every way the story that God is telling in scripture and then through the church. So let's be that church that we're so identified and immersed in God's story that it becomes second nature to us to interpret the world by it rather than by other things. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for giving us your word as a story that helps us understand what it is that you're doing. It tells us where you are and where to follow you like blazes on a trail. I ask that you would call our attention to those Uh, the blazes, the the places where you have put your hand and your mark, especially as we look into the world right now and see um, chaos and confusion and unrest. And then we look in our hearts and we find the same thing. I pray that you uh, would draw us uh, to to Jesus through your word and that you would allow uh, us to be sensitive and remember that story in such a way that it uh, draws us uh, into participation pray this in your name.